0: Welcome to the Live to 110 Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Myers. Today, I am interviewing Abel James, also known as the fat-burning man, on his ideas about how to optimally burn fat and pick his big fat brain about the paleo diet. Because believe me, the only part of this man's body that's fat is his brain. So we're going to pick it today. Uh, But first, I have to do a little disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment we suggest on this show. And for those of you who are not in the know, I just put up a new and improved version of my Live to 110 by Weighing Less e-guide on the site. I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and just wanted to rewrite and add a couple things that I thought were really important. So if you want to learn about weight loss or the modern paleo diet, which is my version of paleo, go to live to 110.com and sign up for my free 35 page weight loss guide and the 14 part email series about the modern paleo diet which are both essentially about how to live a long healthy disease free life Today, I'm honored to have our guest, Abel James, on the show. Uh, you may already be, f- be uh, familiar with Abel, as he has the number one rated health podcast on iTunes in the U.S., in the U.K., in Australia, Canada, Greece, Finland, and many other countries. You can find him on his site, fatburningman.com. and Abel is also the author of several best-selling books, including The Wild Diet and The Fat-Burning Chef, He also has the number one app in food and drink on iTunes, which is also in the top 10 overall. And he's been a keynote speaker for Ivy League institutions within the ancestral paleo movement and for Fortune 500 companies. He's got over 100,000 listeners and subscribers to his website. But most importantly, he has an incredible velvety smooth baritone. So, Fat Burning Man, you are on fire.
1: Hi Wendy, thank you so much. That was a great intro.
0: <laughs> well, it's so nice to have you on the show, and I'm just I'm really it's honored that, that you came on and blessed my little baby podcast with your presence. So, uh, first, why don't you tell the listeners how all this got started and how you reinvented yourself as the fat burning man?
1: Yeah, totally. So, uh, I have always been that that type a who's going after being the best at pretty much anything that I did. So, I was um, I'm from a little town in New Hampshire, and we always ate from the backyard. And uh, my mom's a holistic nurse practitioner, so we got into some pretty woo-woo stuff. You know, whenever I got sick, she'd bring in a bunch of plants and herbs and tinctures and and weird bombs and stuff. And so I always had this appreciation for kind of thinking in the fringe and self-experimentation and ancient traditions and all that. But uh, in in my path to be as healthy as I possibly can, I basically adopted my my doctors as my gurus um, when I was in my early 20s and that, that was mostly because I knew that genetically I was predisposed to have thyroid problems, high blood pressure, uh, being overweight and, and various things like that because most people who came before me, especially the men, struggled with all those things and so. All of a sudden, I found myself in the same position um, in my early 20s, kind of falling apart with high blood pressure, and my thyroid basically stopped working. I was overweight, um, low energy, had all sorts of inflammatory issues, and just kind of heading down this path, despite running 30-plus miles a week and eating a really, really strict diet. I was dieting all the time. And, uh a short story is my. Um, I came home one night and my apartment building burned down. I lost everything oh, and wow. kind of looked around and thought, well, everything else is completely a disaster in my life, so I might as well figure out this health thing because clearly following my doctor's advice is not working. And so then I just I guinea-picked on myself and body-hacked and read every medical journal and bodybuilding form I could find. And as soon as I started uh, really embracing fat, again and, and focusing on real food, suddenly all these problems that I had, uh, started to disappear and I lost, uh, over 20 pounds in the first month of doing this. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, that was kind of easy. Uh, why doesn't everyone know this, right? Like people deserve to know that they can heal themselves with real food. Uh, and so that's why I started up my show and put myself out there. And, and it's, really in hopes of teaching people that they can be happy and healthy at the same time
0: were you a vegetarian at one point
1: i was on and off vegetarian vegan i you name it i, I tried it
0: yeah how did that work out for you
1: so oh <laughs> <laughs> i was encouraged you know because like morally and ethically i wanted to believe in uh in a better world right where we're not relying on feed loss and the horrible things that we do to uh, to animals i thought kind of as a function of eating meat, right, as opposed to the way that meat is served today, if that makes sense. So being a vegetarian for me was was great ethically and morally because I thought I wasn't really participating in that system until I read The Omnivorous Dilemma, which actually kind of ruined it for me. It ruined um, eating vegetables for me
0: yeah <laughs> Bur- that's what
1: made me not a vegetarian anyway. it burst that vegan bubble after i read that for the first time this is before you know it kind of like this whole movement caught on i'm just like well oh my god i can't eat anything now yeah um and so that kind of got me thinking about well maybe it's the system that's the problem not the food itself and then you know i, I really get into the farmer's market thing going back to our roots of eating real food um and, and so from a health perspective i mean being a vegetarian was a disaster for me but uh, i think that was more of a function of the type of food i was eating as a vegetarian than necessarily being a vegetarian um, in and of itself because i think some people can make that work fairly well especially if you have you know uh, eggs or fish if you're lacto vegetarian or or whatever you can kind of hack your way around that
0: yeah yeah i I had the same experience i didn't do too hot as a vegetarian or a vegan but do really, really well on a paleo diet, but I have some clients that seem to be getting by, you know, a vegetarian diet. Sure. Um,
1: And and so I I try not to be super dogmatic about it. If, um, if some people tend to, I mean, everyone does well with a slightly different diet, so I'm not going to be throwing bacon at people who don't believe in that. And, uh, and it's, it's really important that everyone finds their own journey in all of this because Oftentimes, some of your favorite foods, if you're honest with yourself, and you start eating real food again, uh, some of your favorite foods are really the foods that are best for you.
0: Yeah. Well, you can throw some bacon my way, because I like bacon. <laughs> okay, it's the deal. All about bacon. So, I hear you're a former, you were a former strategic advisor to the food and beverage industry. I thought that was really interesting. So, how did this experience shape some of your ideas about food?
1: For me, it was really... At a formative time, because I was the reason that that I got into consulting in the first place was because uh, I went to Dartmouth and paid my own way with with scholarships as well as uh, quite a few loans. So when I graduated, I wanted to pay off my loans as quickly as possible. So it was either um, either Wall Street, which I got a job there, or consulting, got a few jobs there, or the CIA, and I was really tempted by the CIA. <laughs> I decided to um, go for consulting and. So I found myself, you know, I'm, I'm like barely 21 years old and I'm in the boardroom um, with with some of the most intense companies on the face of this earth and working with uh, some big players in the food and beverage industry uh, who shall remain nameless. But what I found was that these, these folks understood that they weren't selling health food and they also understood that they wouldn't feed a lot of their products to their own family, uh, so that was, being twenty one, kind of like <laughs> being bright eyed and and totally positive and optimistic about the way that the world works, and being really excited to work with some of the biggest companies, that was a huge shocker for me. That to to know that this was kind of how the sausage was made, so to speak, and that these people are are making products, these companies are making products that they they know full well are not good for us and are are in fact quite the opposite in many cases um it was formative for me because i got to know the industry kind of from the inside out and working with the government as well later on it's it's like a lot of people will say well i don't believe in big business because big business is bad or the government is bad right but they don't really know much about how it works at all so i i found it really useful to kind of see that inside to get that inside look at how these these companies and, and corporations and the government actually do work or don't do work and market things or or you know bring things to market um especially marketing to kids and all of that so it was the things that i learned and i can't talk about them in any great detail just because it's all Confidential, but I can tell you that uh, what I'm doing now is a heck of a lot better for the world than uh, than being a consultant ever was.
0: Oh yeah, I agree. I agree because you do. You have the number one rated podcast on iTunes, and so you're people like your message, and you're up in the top five in the UK and Canada, and and frankly, I know it's that velvety smooth voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so I'm also a musician, and people. It's funny, like even. When I worked with the government, um, and I did a bunch of speeches, I got a, <laughs> my nickname was "radio voice." So that was so funny, and I never really used that before until I started my podcast. And I'm like, "Duh! I should have been doing this all along."
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing video podcasts. Like, why did you start doing the video podcasts?
1: Because really, because it was as simple as turning on the webcam. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's it's one of the things that we're looking to do. In the next few months, fortunately now I have a wonderful team of, uh, actually it's all girls right now, which is kind of funny, um, who who are helping me, helping me with production and uh, getting the shows together and really upping the production value so that we can start to compete with some of the bigger names out there, um, like Jillian Michaels.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> because if we want to, you know, the way that I feel right now is I've kind of, I've hit the top of the, the podcast thing and have a huge... Following there, which is wonderful, but I don't want to plateau. I want to keep like being able to um, get in touch with more people. So I think video is really important there. So we're going to be stepping up the video game pretty soon.
0: Yeah, that's. I thought it was a really good idea. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah, you just turn on the camera, but mm-hmm. it's really another uh, adds another dynamic to it that I think will draw more people in. and I think why why are more people doing this, but they're not. No,
1: video is intimidating, and it means you have to actually put pants on when you're doing.
0: Yeah, I know. I actually put makeup on today just in case you're like, turn the camera on. (laughs) Because I like to just do it in my PJs and looking like I belong in a morgue. I don't want to have to get all dolled up, you know?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, and I'm a guy, so I can get away with this more. All I do is sometimes put on an acceptable shirt, and then I'm still wearing shorts, I did a show with uh, with Jonathan Baylor not too long ago. It was hilarious because we... uh, We've all stood up, and you could see that we're both. He's like wearing this this freshly pressed button down dress shirt, and he's wearing gym shorts <laughs> and
0: fuzzy slippers. So funny. Yeah, and so I have to say, I what is up with that shirtless photo on your podcast artwork? Uh, but I, I love it because it really gets across your point that if one follows your advice, you will burn fat and look like Abel James.
1: You know what's really funny is so. Um, <laughs> I am not at all the first one to take my shirt off in any sort of situation. Um, but when I first came out with all of this, like one of my dirty little secrets is I had actually been a health blogger for, for years before I came out with Fat-Burning Man, but I never really put myself out there. Uh, it was, it was kind of just, you know, a blog. And I would write interesting stuff sometimes and, you know, 32 people would read it and one of, most of them were my aunts. Um, yeah. And, and so I, what I found while I was doing this whole, you know, I guess the discovery phase of all my research, reading all these diet books and, and uh, bodybuilding forms and stuff, the first thing that I would do is turn the book over and see, like, is this person healthy? Are they, are they living this? Uh, because if they aren't following their own advice, then I don't want to listen to them. And, or if they're following their own advice, but they're unhealthy, I don't want to listen to them either. Uh, and so I, uh, when I first came out with a blog and the podcast, I tested a few different things. And I, I had some of these arty, uh, artsy pictures. I'm a definite you know, I'm type A, but I'm a super creative type. So I geek out on you know, artsy pictures and stuff. I'm not a great photographer, but I, I love great photography. So I, I took these thumbnails. I don't think I've really told people this on podcasts. But I took these thumbnails uh, to, to try to test my um, podcast artwork to see what would work. And so I had these artsy pictures, and then I had a picture of Kale, and then I had a picture of me with my shirt off to see what if the same article would get the same number of clicks with these different things. And I, I had an assumption that, you know, sex sells or whatever, having, you know, a shirtless picture would do something different than the rest of them. But I really hoped that the super artsy picture would work. And I found that the picture of Kale got like two clicks, The picture of uh, that, was, that was artsy, got about four clicks and the picture of me with my shirt off got about 122 clicks and I was like oh no
0: (laughs) that's such a good idea
1: yeah so but I think you know for me it's it's meant to be if you look at it it's meant to be more of an archetype it's not necessarily me you know my face is a little bit blurry it's just kind of like this wolverine-ish looking character outside and I really wanted it to be that because it's not about me. It's about putting yourself in your shoes. This is what a human eating and and living in a natural way should look like. You should be empowered and strong and not necessarily – like I don't – if you look at the picture and, and I walk around like this, it's not like I have a fitness model body. I don't – you can't see veins and all the weird sinews that you see in, in a bodybuilder and I'm not super jacked either. It's just like this is a healthy person and you can live this way too if – you live the way that a human should that's that's what i want to communicate
0: yeah and it's definitely about being a role model i mean that's why you have so many followers because you are living and breathing your philosophy and your health shines through and i think that's really good that you have that modeled on your podcast
1: thank you i I think it's so important because what you're starting to see the fitness and the fitness and um you know diet industry is a horrible one it's disgusting and, and you know, especially as I started to get bigger, I started to meet a lot of the big names, um, and I'm not going to name anyone here, but a lot of these people are not pinnacles of health. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really important to me that I live this, you know, this. It's not just like I'm doing this show and I'm selling products and I have a supplement company or anything like that at all. It's like this is my life, and I'm standing at my desk talking about this all day. <laughs> and when I'm not standing at my desk on a show or whatever... I'm talking to my girlfriend about it. I'm talking to to George, the civilized caveman about it. We're, we're living this every day and it's so important that other people know that this is a lifestyle. It's not like a quick fix. It's not products or whatever.
0: Yeah. And I love that even your, sorry, my daughter uh, decided to join the podcast. It's okay. <laughs> she loves to make little cameo appearances. Uh, My dog does too.
1: But,
0: but I love that even uh, when I type in your URL, fatburningman.com, it even shows there was like a little baby picture of, of you with your little low fat bod on there, it's so cute. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> uh, but you even have the number one food app in iTunes, and I, I realized that when I looked on your website the other day, I was really blown away that you have this amazing app and I was kind of tooling around with it, and how did that come about?
1: Well, thanks. Um, I realized that it's difficult to compete with big people who have a, uh, I guess, a real strong footing in the publishing industry. So, have to get a little bit more creative, right, and and just do what we can do best. So, as opposed to going after big book deals and trying to get on typical TV or whatever… I've just been focusing on my podcast and making great connections with some of the best people who, do, who mostly tend to be cooks in the paleo space, in the real food space, and um, one of whom is is my good buddy George at Civilized Caveman, and uh, I, I also have another guy who's a friend of mine who had an app that was about being a cyclist in London and what to do if, if your um, bike broke down. It's basically like a a manual that you can keep on your phone if you get a flat tire, you know how to fix it, all the different steps to do that. So we got together and we talked about how can we, uh, you know, cookbooks are great and blogs are great, but there are so many iPads and iPhones and Android devices that people can really, now they can have all of their favorite content on one device. And so I wanted to make like the best cookbooks that we ever could that aren't just cookbooks but are also apps too. So they're full of great content, but you can also, you know, carry around a shopping list with you, put your favorites in it. It's like an interactive cookbook. I think that's where, where it is all going. So we've decided to really focus on, on getting digital cool apps to people. And one of, the first one that we did is Caveman Feast. And we're doing a lot more. We're going to do a gluten-free desserts one for the holidays. And I'm really excited about this because it's it's more than a book. And it's more than an ebook. It's like something that you can use and hopefully, you know, it's it's fun and it's cool and it's only a few bucks. Like that's one of my favorite things about it. People kept asking for um, you know, all of this content on their phones or on their iPad. And I think this is such a great way to get it to them. And you know, people people worry that this way of living costs a lot of money or cookbooks costs a lot, but I mean Ours are two ninety
0: nine. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I just uh,
1: want to get as many people started with this as, as we possibly can. I think that's a great way to do it.
0: Yeah, I've done that before too. Because you know, in the old days, you used to print out a recipe and then go make it, and I'd always get flour and water on the paper. But right. now I, I do. I look at recipes in my phone, and follow it while I'm cooking with my phone. So it's a good idea. Yeah, totally. So let's, uh, you know, you have so many fans and listeners because, you know, people obviously like what you're saying. And so what is your general philosophy on health and diet? What kind of health diet do you follow and fitness regimen?
1: Yeah, it's about being happy and healthy at the same time. I think, and I say that it sounds like cliche, but it's, it's so important to focus on feeling good first and, and looking good kind of comes as a side effect of that.
0: Yeah. here. Here. What's that? Here, here. I concur. Yeah, yeah,
1: So, I mean, the way that I actually eat is uh, somewhere in between paleo and West and a price. I like to say. So, I'll eat um, most of the time. I mean, it's it's pretty typical and, and predictable. Most of my meals will start with a lot of veggies, and then we'll have eggs or some naturally raised, pasture raised meat of some kind. Not a whole lot of it, um, but. But I eat a lot of dairy. It tends to work pretty well with my body, and I've done allergy testing. It all comes out saying that you know dairy gets along with me pretty well. So I I eat a lot of uh, butter, heavy cream, um, and and fermented dairy, cottage cheese, and uh, I love sheep yogurt, which is really bizarre, but hmm. I totally dig it. And then combining that with bone broth and you know fermented cod liver oil um, and other weird totally weird stuff that most people probably wouldn't be eating right away but start to embrace once they start eating real food for a while. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of French cooking, you know, high fat type type stuff. We have an awesome dude at the farmer's market who makes these artisan meats and like smoked duck breast and blood sausage and um, liver pates and I, I totally dig that that weird food, that kind of traditional type of food that we've really lost sight of in the past couple of generations.
0: Yeah, it's very upsetting here in California. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger outlawed foie gras, That's so we Isn't can't. It's so crazy. It's so weird. So we can't have goose liver, which would was for me was a you know a nice little delicacy, a healthy delicacy that I ate all kinds of when I was pregnant. I ate it all yeah. the time. So, uh, unfortunately, we can't have that. We can't have our have weird... We get it on the black market now. Yeah, we can't have our weird French food over here anymore. But uh, <laughs> I have to fly, fly to Vegas to get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like pot is, is legal, but foie gras. Hey, um, you gotta yeah, you
0: got to have yeah. your priorities. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> but, so, let's talk a little bit about uh, weight loss and fat burning, which you're an expert in. You've got a 30-day fat loss system available on your site. So tell us a little bit about that and some of your fat-burning secrets because everyone is dying to burn fat.
1: Totally. So um, most people want to think that, you know, they can exercise four hours a day every day and then the pounds are just going to melt off. And they assume that that's how it works. Or if they see a picture of me or, or meet me, they're just like, oh, you must be a gym rat or something. And that's really not what it's all about. It's about getting your diet in order first uh you ask any bodybuilder about this and and bodybuilders know because it's their job to know the soda fitness models and a lot of celebrities it's like if if your diet is not in order it's almost like there's not a whole lot of point point in even exercising at all because the results come from from following the right dietary advice and from a macronutrient perspective that really looks like um keeping your carbs in check unless you're exercising all the time. So a quick thing that people can do, if you want to shed weight quick, which is actually fairly fairly easy and well understood, then you dial down the carbs, especially the high glycemic carbs. So you want to get, get away from uh, most grains, uh, especially in any sort of quantity. Uh, and y- you also want to make sure that you're uh, keeping your blood sugar in check. So. Your a, a a good rule to follow there is if you're eating uh, veggies, which you should be eating loads of them, then you want to go after green, non-fibrous ones. Load up on those first. Eat plenty of protein. Most people don't eat enough, or they don't get it from the right places. Protein shakes aren't really the best place to get protein. It's really by eating um, by eating pastured eggs, by eating um, some amount of meat. And It doesn't have to be a whole lot. You know, like uh, the size of the palm of your hand. But if you want to know how you know, bodybuilders lose twenty pounds in a couple of weeks. It's all about um, eating very specific things and exercising in a specific way. So the way that most of them eat is doing exactly what I just told you: loads of non-starchy, low-carb, low-glycemic veggies. Maybe a little bit of something like like rice or sweet potatoes, especially if you're exercising to replenish your glycogen. Um, but keeping your carbs below 50 to 100 a day, depending on your activity and your size, and then filling it out with protein. And then from an exercise perspective, whether you're male or female, this, this really applies to both. Focusing on burst training, on high-intensity exercise um, for short amounts of time, this, this uh, decreases the amount of cortisol versus endurance training, and it also ups growth hormone, um, keeps your metabolism at a really uh, high level and it also doesn't take a heck of a lot of time. So a great exercise that people can start with is something like Tabatas where you'll sprint for 20 seconds and then rest for 10 seconds and you do that eight to 10 times in a row. So it takes you four to five minutes and that will get most people down to a, uh, a lowish body percent, body fat percentage and then if you combine that with any amount of weight training using compound exercises and uh, heavy-ish weights, then you can really start to see some major results because that's going to boost your metabolism even more, and you're going to be toning your muscle, whether you're male or female, like I said. Um, that That's really the equation, and if anyone tells you that it's more complicated than that, then they're probably trying to sell you something.
0: So, so it's <laughs> about intensity?
1: It's about... Yes, it's about intensity as opposed to duration. I think a lot of people basically shackle themselves to treadmills and, and think if they're gonna if they're on it long enough then the weight will just come off. Unfortunately that's not really the way that it works in your own body. It's 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 all about passing this threshold of telling your body that it needs to adapt to getting faster, to getting stronger, or anything else. So one way to think about it is most of us, you know, probably played sports when we were either little kids or in high school or maybe even in college. And the way that we looked and felt when we were younger and played those sports was usually strong and fast and healthy. And if you if you want to look and feel like an athlete, then you should train like an athlete does. And what athletes don't really do, unless they're endurance athletes, is go out and uh, just kind of jog on the treadmill for hours or the stairmaster or anything else. What they're doing is lifting weights or they're sprinting or they're doing pull-ups they're using their whole body and and in the sport itself they're definitely using their whole body and it's all about that that burst training. So if you want to look and feel like an athlete then you have to train like one.
0: Yeah, that was me. I was shackled to the to the treadmill for hours. But yeah, I didn't uh, didn't have a lot of great results doing that.
1: No, and it's it's and one of the biggest reasons for that is that most people think that because of these fancy watches and uh, you know the LED screens on the treadmill that are saying, well, you burned 12 calories. Uh, they think that exercising is all about burning calories, but it's really, that's not the best way to view exercise. If you start to view exercise as a way to cue your body to adapt to building muscle or toning muscle or losing fat, no matter how long it takes or how short the duration of your exercise is, then that's really the best way to use exercise. You wanna overload your muscles to some degree. You want to, um, in your sprint, you wanna reach your VO2 max and really get your body to a point where you're huffing and puffing and it's difficult. Uh, Because otherwise, if you're just kind of ho-humming the whole time, you're not gonna cue your body ever to adapt and you're not burning enough calories for it to really make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Well, you know let's talk a little bit about your book, The Wild Diet. You talk about a concept in there called uh, wild exercise. What, do, what exactly do you mean by that?
1: It's all about exercising the way that we, that we used to. Um, <laughs> exercise for most people these days is misery. And the best way to exercise is the exact opposite of that. It's more about playing. It's about being outside and doing things that you love. And so, if you combine what I was just talking about—the effective strategies of how to manipulate manipulate your own body, such that you have the um, a healthy core and a good shape and good strength uh, and functional strength as well—if you apply that methodology and plug it into being outside and having fun and all of that, that's where wild exercise comes in. So it's. Basically, about finding that that perfect thing for you that you enjoy, that gets you the results that you want. So for me, what that looks like is going out for um, two walks a day with my dog and exercising uh, a few times a week for just a few minutes. Like this morning, I did Tabata burpees because it's an interview day, so it's it's just packed with interviews, and I don't have that much time. But I mean. It takes five minutes in the morning, so it's definitely worth it.
0: What are Tabata Um, burpees? (laughs) What's that? What are Tabata burpees?
1: Okay, so Tabatas are what I was talking about before. It's 20 seconds of exercising really intensely and 10 seconds of resting and then doing it again. Um, And burpees are basically uh, a push-up with a jump uh, and, and a squat in between. So okay. it's going down to the ground, doing a push-up, and then popping back up and jumping up in the air and clapping above your head and doing that again. So basically you do as many as you can in 20 seconds and then take 10 seconds off. Um, you do that. I, I do it 10 times. And so that's a kick butt exercise. If you're not smoked by the end of that, and if you're not wide awake, then you're doing it wrong.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> I got to try that.
1: That's a great way to do it. But I love going for sprints outside, um, with my dog, I, I tend to whenever I am lifting weights, I do it in my backyard. Um, even if I'm traveling, um, I'll, I'll find some way to get outside and and get some sun and have fun while I'm doing it. Because I'll say, if you're miserable while you're exercising, you probably won't keep it up for a long time. And so it's all about the reason that most exercise programs fail isn't because they're giving you the wrong advice; it's because uh, of compliance. Because most people aren't doing it, yeah, integrating it. Their lifestyle so it's it's all about finding that thing that you love.
0: Yeah I refuse to work out in a gym any longer because you're in there it's just this stale low oxygen air and these chemicals you're breathing in and it's just yeah. not a healthy environment it doesn't seem Right like... I hate gyms. <laughs> yeah yeah, I like to get out in the air and walk on the beach and do all kinds of things like that but unfortunately that's I do the slow walk I do the one hour walk
1: <laughs> Yeah that's, that's great though I mean that's exactly what you should be doing we're not on our feet walking around enough
0: yeah but hey at least it's outside even though even though I'm not really burning fat that efficiently I'm being bad bad for fat burner
1: but uh, at the same time you're, you're doing a great job um, it, it's a great insurance you know if you look at the Europeans they tend to walk so much more than we do and because of that they can they can withstand a lot more sugar and carbs and other stuff um, you know it, there's a great book called French Women Don't Get Fat and that explains basically that that very thing. If you're walking around for three hours a day just because you're walking to your job or you're walking to your friend's house or whatever, you can actually indulge a heck of a lot more than someone who's a desk jockey and just kind of driving to work and the way that most Americans live because you have a healthy cardiovascular system just from walking around, this low intensity stuff. It's great for stress relief and it's more than anything else. It's very meditative. It's great for your your mind to get outside and just kind of like walk a little stress.
0: Yeah, and I try to get outside and just get some sunshine, try to get some little improvement on my circadian rhythms, maybe do some earthing. You know, it just kinda of adds a little bit healthier aspect to it.
1: Oh totally. And you said it's it's not good for burning fat, but I would I would challenge that because <laughs> one of the best things that you you can do if you wanna stay lean is reduce the amount of stress in your life. Yeah. And when it comes to walking that's, for me, that's one of my secret tools. Whenever I'm overwhelmed, I'll just go outside and take my dog for a walk, go for a, a light jog, you know, just to be outside more than even exercising. And that's, when it comes to regulating cortisol, um, that's, that's like the most evil demon that destroys most people who are trying to lose fat or stay lean. Uh, because as soon as you have cortisol you start putting fat around your midsection and so that's like the the opposite that's fat storing man right yeah <laughs>
0: really that's my website fatstoringwoman.com yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's uh, i definitely agree with you because a lot of people don't realize they're maybe they're focusing on these calories and focusing on burning calories but it's all about hormones
1: it is it's really about hormones
0: So you talk in your book, uh, of course, about diet and many foods that a lot of people think are healthy, but in fact are not. Can you elaborate on what foods you're talking about that may not be as healthy as people think?
1: (laughs) Diet foods. Yeah. Healthy. I was tricked by that one for a very long time. Um, And it's so bizarre, but yeah, uh, these foods that are counted to be Health foods, and maybe even your doctor says that they're health foods, and all these magazines say that it's the greatest thing Since sliced bread. They actually, in many cases, make you fat because they're just full of chemicals and sugar and other junk. They're not going to nourish your body. The thing that, that makes you lean is nourishing your body with, with foods and nutrients that it needs to stay lean and to thrive. It's not about eating less, uh, and it's certainly not about eating diet foods. It's about Eating that weird stuff like fermented cod liver oil—that's a soup It's like I don't like the term superfood, but it, it really is. It's it's super nutrient dense. Um, so it, it's really any food that isn't nutrient dense is um, is not really going to do much for you. Um, it's just empty calories essentially. So a lot of foods that people are eating, they assume that it'll keep them lean because it doesn't have something in it right? Like rice cakes, fat free, whatever. <laughs> I can tell you that, that rice cakes as, as an example of that, um, are the very thing that, uh, it's like a cheat food. One of my friends is a fitness model and you know, so he'll get down to like 3% body fat. And then the way that he puts fat back on <laughs> is by eating rice cakes. <laughs> he gained like 20 plus pounds in one weekend just by eating rice cakes.
0: Wow. He must really like rice cakes.
1: Yeah, and he's a big dude. Um, but yeah, can can you imagine that, that that people are eating rice cakes because they think it's going to keep them lean, and it's the very thing that um, people who are super lean are eating to get fat again. And like, uh, I had another guy named Drew on my show, and he uh, is a personal trainer, and usually has a six pack or whatever. And he wanted to show what would happen if he you know tried to gain seventy five pounds and then lose it again, and the way that he gained it was by eating cereal, um, sometimes whole grain cereal, which is supposed to keep people lean, lean, right, if you watch the commercials. Uh, He was eating uh, lots of pasta. He was eating low fat, uh, and he was eating lots of sugar. And I think that's another great example. Like, a lot of people go after these little yogurts that are supposed to be good for your metabolism with arrows and bellies on the front, and they're low calorie, low fat. But if you look at the back, they're packed with sugar and sugar makes you fat so a lot of people kind of accidentally eat these foods that are just absolute sugar bombs that they think are healthy because it says that it's healthy on the front
0: yeah that's why they taste so good
1: yeah <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah so so what do you think about people that are trying to lose 10 pounds in 10 days and going for these really you know gimmicky sort of weight loss strategies like that do they work
1: Sure. I mean, like, if, if you want to lose 10 pounds in 10 days, there are ways that a lot of people can do that, especially if you're a man. It's a lot easier for a man to do weird stuff like that and get away with it. For women, it's much trickier. Like you said, it's all about hormones. So, for some women, you can lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Um, other women, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But the real question is, why would you do that, right? Because it's like, <laughs> here's here's a good example. This The same fitness model. It's like, so he can lose twenty pounds in a month, piece of cake. Does it all the time. Um, has it done to his science? Knows exactly what he needs to do. And then he gets down three percent body fat and takes all these pictures. And then literally, as soon as that show is over, and like you, you can't even walk around uh, like this because you're dehydrated. You're shedding water. A lot of people are using diuretics, um, and you just don't have any energy left in your body, and you're also downregulating a lot of hormones that you'll need to keep fat off later, um, and then, you know, you gain 20 pounds back in a weekend, and so, think about what's happening after that weekend, how good are you feeling, that you were just, you know, the sexiest you've ever been two days before, and you're 20 pounds heavier now, and you've down all these hormones that you need to, to stay lean for the rest of your life, and so, the weirdest thing is that a lot of my friends who are fitness models, are actually walking around when they're not doing a show at a higher body fat percentage than I am um, because they've downregulated so many hormones that they need to keep the fat off long term.
0: Yeah, that's what a a lot of these Victoria's Secret models do too. They eat a, uh, for three weeks prior to one of their big shows, they just do a liquid diet, you know, smoothies and things like that, Mm -hmm. and then they do a water fast for 24 hours prior to the show. So that's what you're seeing.
1: Yep, yeah, that's what you're seeing. And that is not good for you. And it's uh, it's this whole thing where you think that people are walking around like that. You think that um, Victoria's Secret models look like that. But the thing is, like, they don't look like that in real life at all. So they might look somewhat like that during the day before the shoot. But then they're, they're smothered in makeup. Um, they are all sorts of crazy lighting tricks. And they're also taking you know, hundreds of pictures and they're only taking the best ones that are from perfect angles. So if you, if you meet these people in real life, then they're easily 20 pounds heavier than, than you know them as, right? This is the same is true with, with most celebrities as well. who are known for being low fat or whatever, or, or having a low body fat percentage. That's just the reality of all this. So, um, yeah, I I guess to answer your question, it's (laughs) losing 10 pounds in 10 days is uh for a lot of people that's achievable it really is and people think that it's absolutely impossible and hopeless to try to do stuff like that but if you know how to do it you absolutely can the question is just why you know it's i would much rather say <laughs> stay lean for the rest of your life right and and not kind of give in to those gimmicks lose five pounds in five days or whatever sure you can do that but it's wouldn't you rather stay lean and happy for the rest of your life I know I would
0: yeah, slow and steady wins the race. That's right. Well, I have a question that I like to ask all my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today?
1: Nutrition. It's about, it's about food. Because even people who are um, well-fed yeah, in, ter- in terms of volume of food, most people are starving right now. They're starving for nutrients. Um, so, if, if I mean, in third world countries, they don't have enough volume of food in certain places. In America, food security is a huge issue, huge issue as well. And a lot of people aren't getting enough of, of, of food at all. But if you look even further than that and expand this definition, most people aren't getting enough nutrients. That's the real problem. It's not about the amount of food that you're eating. In terms of volume, it's about the amount of nutrients that your body can use and absorb. So I was I was actually just talking before this interview with, uh, with Greg Graham, who wrote Pottinger's Prophecy, and it's all about how basically epigenetics is showing that we're losing our vitality generation to generation because we're malnourished, because we're not getting the foods and the nutrients that we need. So the only way to change that is... By believing in a better world, believing that our food should be coming from farms instead of machines and labs, <laughs> which is kind of where fast food comes from, if most people are honest about it. Um, so the biggest thing that we can do is help support systems that provide us with food that nourish uh, our body as well as the world around us so that we can continue to, to build more farms that thrive uh, in and trying to make our world a little bit more like uh, a caveman world (laughs) for better or worse
0: yes yes I agree all about paleo so uh, can you tell the listeners uh, a little bit more about you and you know what kind of things you have on your website and where they can find you
1: yeah best place to find me is fatburningman.com and if you sign up for my email list I send a bunch of free goodies and ebooks and a video course I'm going to be putting that in real soon so yeah, there's there's loads of fun to be found there. We're about to uh, release the new version of Fat Burning Chef, which is uh, all paleo friendly, gluten free recipes. Uh, we have a few more apps coming out, and let's see. I'm, I'm helping Terry Wallace come out with her new book this spring. Jonathan Baylor uh, for the new year, the Calorie Myth. I'm partnering up with him, uh, doing some video training on that. I'm doing another Creative Live course on caveman cooking so there's lots of fun to be had best way to find me though is, is fatprettyman.com
0: well I love Jonathan Baylor I interviewed him on the, the podcast previously he's really really great guy great dude yeah. yeah I'm excited about his book I'm reviewing it on the site cool yeah well Abel thank you so much for coming on the show and I'm so happy that you agreed to come on my little baby podcast and I'm hoping <laughs> pleasure, I'm hoping one day to become an 800 pound paleo gorilla like yourself <laughs> <laughs> So, again, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: If you want to learn more about health, you can find me on live to 110com You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at iwilllive 110 I am also on YouTube at wendylive 110 And if you like what you heard on the show, please give the Live to 110 podcast a review on iTunes. I need reviews to push the show further up the charge and into the search engines. So I would appreciate it so much if you could take a couple minutes of your day to do that. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember, unhealthy is what thin people call you when you're fat and what fat people call you when you're thin which means no matter what weight you are, you should be thinking about how to get healthier. So thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.